Hey, this is Andrew Kuhn, and you're listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Jeff and I talk about actionable stock ideas, timeless investing concepts, and the overall way that we think about investing at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Go to focuscompounding.com and enter in your email to get a free watch list from Jeff every other week. And be sure to check out all of our other work where Jeff writes about stocks at focuscompounding.com. I upload how-to investing videos on YouTube, and we both manage capital for investors at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to follow along. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn, Focus Compounding, the number one value investing podcast in the world, sitting next to Jeff Gannon. Jeff, how's it going today? It's going very well, Andrew. How's it going with you? It's going great. We hope it's going great for everybody else. Hey, if this is the first time that you are tuning in with us, be sure to check out all of our content. Go to YouTube, hit the subscribe button, thumbs this video up. We want to hack that YouTube algorithm. We are pumping out a ton of free content. And the best way to support us uh, is by just following all of our work. Follow me on Twitter, at Focus Compound. And if you like free stuff, head over to the Gannon Gazette on focuscompound.com. We changed the homepage a little bit just to make it look a little bit more cleaner and enter in your email. Um, We are being religious about um, sending that constant contact email out once a week. And in there, you will get a free write-up as well as other stock topic write-ups um, throughout the week. But there'll be one free stock idea and then there'll be other just free content um, as well. So sign up for the Gannon Gazette at focuscompounding.com. And in today's podcast, we are going to be uh, talking about like the entertainment industry, right. right? So everything that's been going on with the coronavirus, um, you know, obviously a lot of cruises, travel, pretty much a lot of stuff that has to do with like tourism, mm-hmm. um, you know, consumer services has just sold off a lot. And we're going to talk out loud about this. So, you know, people on the podcast can also listen. And a lot of people have actually asked about like cruises in general. Mm-hmm. But if you're watching on YouTube, I do have a uh, spreadsheet up that is through Excel, um, through this new data thing you could, um, you know, they have like a stocks part now. I guess, where you could uh, build your own like watch list and all this other stuff. And I just clicked something that I did not want to click. Um, but so I have just some entertainment companies that came to mind. Um, I'm going to refresh it, um, you know, so we could talk about it. And as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, um, a lot of these companies are trading, you know, closer to within their 52-week low. And a lot of these companies are also bigger ones. Now you can see Butler National Corporation. That's a casino company. That's more of like an overlooked uh, small company, which is up 125% or trading. the aerospace business. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. maybe we should, you know, delete that out from here. Uh, but like Walt Disney, Cedar Fair, Six Flags, SeaWorld Entertainment, Dave & Buster. Ardent Leisure, Royal Caribbean Cruises, Carnival Corp, Butler National, Bowl America, Vale Resorts, Canterbury Park, also another casino, uh, Game House, another casino, Hollywood Bowl, and Arc Restaurants. Mm -hmm. And I just compiled these for this podcast because really I just wanted to um, talk about like the general industry and maybe we could use QuickFS and talk out loud and just talk about it. And like I said, a few people have asked about cruises because obviously everything that's been going on with the coronavirus, Mm -hmm. cruises have gotten, you know, uh, crucified. <laughs> like they've gone demolished. And other big companies as well, like Dave and Buster's, um, it's trading, you know, 1% away from its 52 week low. Mm-hmm. Um, Cedar oh, Fair. Yeah. Yeah. So these are all, you know, pretty cheap. And you actually have experience um, analyzing cruise companies. Do you yeah. like the business in general? And obviously, it's a very capital intensive industry. I mean, how much does it cost to, to even build a cruise ship over a billion uh, I, dollars? The cruise ship I was on was over a billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So. 
uh, that was Royal Caribbean. It was an Oasis class, um, which is the biggest right now that they have out. Um, so yeah, it's over a billion dollars. I don't know, one point two billion, something like that. It's you know, it's the equivalent of several jumbo jets. Yeah, mm-hmm. quite a few. Do you like the industry in general? I mean, I personally so, like the entertainment industry, consumer services, because yeah. I always talk about being the customer. Mm-hmm. And it's like I can understand. Like I like the experience based part mm-hmm. of it. I can understand why people come back. If I enjoy it, I know other people probably enjoy it. Um, so you like understanding, like us the psychological behavior of customers. I like businesses like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in general, do you like the the carnival, or I'm sorry, the cruise ship industry? So the issue with the cruise ship industry is returns on capital. So the returns on capital aren't that high. Uh, lately, they haven't been. A few decades ago, they were. And then you can have too much uh, excess capacity. Your competitors can build too many ships and things like that. And that did happen after, that happened for the financial crisis. So they were building ships, they were buying ships at a rate that was ready for you know the kind of growth they were having in the 2000s, mm-hmm. and then the financial crisis hit. That decreased demand, and so they've been working through that. Um, Carnival hasn't done as well as Royal Caribbean. The big players in the industry are Carnival, biggest, Royal Caribbean, second biggest, uh, Norwegian, third biggest. I'd say market share, roughly, if we go back a few years, would be like 50, 25, 12, something like that. Carnival's about double the size of Royal Caribbean. Royal Caribbean's about double the size of Norwegian. Everyone else accounts for a pretty small amount Mm -hmm. of the industry. Um, So I like it in the sense that Probably people are going to be, I mean, Buffett talks about like uh, business that's earnings are almost starting to be materially higher, what, 5, 10, 20 years yeah. from now. Mm-hmm. So 5, 10, 20 years from now, are they likely to be earning more? Um, probably. Uh, unfortunately, 5, 10, 20 years from now, they're going to be tying up a lot more capital. Uh, but also, generally, we know who the leaders will be years out. So mm-hmm. 20 years from now, I think we know that there'll be plenty of people cruising. And I think we know that the some of the biggest cruise lines, what they'll be. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you're going to have huge changes in market share and things like that. So that's why the industry is interesting. Why it's not so interesting is that the returns on equity aren't that high, especially on a cash basis. And so unless they get down to like a price to book around one or something, it's usually not that exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of decided that I wouldn't really recommend a cruise company above book value right now. Um, but as you can see, Carnival is basically trading around book value. Yeah, Carnival Corporation, $23 billion market cap, 10-year CAGR revenue gone from $14.4 billion in 2010 to $20.8 billion in 2019, 4.5%. Uh, but the return on equity profile, 10-year median returns for ROEs, 8.5%. So, you know, well. Yeah. You can see how it's improved the last few years, though, mm-hmm. right? And, of course, these are companies that could carry a fair amount of debt. They could carry debts kind of like a, the way that a um, utility could or the way that a um, railroad could, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, or at least the way that a theme park could, let's put it that way. Um, so that's an important part of it. Uh, and they tend to carry debt that's like more long-term and fixed and things like mm-hmm. that than other companies would. Um, so if you look, they don't pay taxes, by the way, basically. So um, Why is that? Uh, bec- so they basically don't pay taxes because they don't earn their money in a specific country. Uh, so <laughs> they earn their money at sea. Um, the other reason for why you want to pay taxes is because the ships themselves can be repositioned. Now, the ports and stuff can't be, so there are ways that companies, uh, that countries can get money from them. And I'm saying they don't pay taxes, but they do pay like port taxes and things. So they, I'm saying they don't pay like corporate taxes, mm-hmm. basically. Um, all the ships fly like flags of convenience and stuff, you know? So, like, you, um, even though it's an American company or something, it, it's not an American flagged ship uh, for reasons that would be like labor reasons and stuff like that. So the ship might officially be like, um, you know, Liberia or something. They, they pick a, another country. Um, so uh, that is a somewhat of a risk. Like corporate tax rates have come down 
And so the advantage of not paying taxes isn't as big as it once was. And it's always a risk that maybe they'll have to pay more taxes eventually in the future. I don't think economically that makes that big a difference because over a long enough period of time, I think that any like increase in being taxed would just work its way down to the same after-tax ROE because they competed away. You can see that they don't pay taxes, and yet what's their ROE now? 12%. Right, and if we go to Royal Caribbean or Norwegian or one of those, so Royal Caribbean is RCL, um, they also don't earn incredibly high returns on equity considering that they um, that they uh, don't pay taxes. 16%, 16%, percent Right, and those, but those are the last few years, mm-hmm. yeah. So Royal Caribbean over time has gotten better versus Carnival. Um, when we looked at them five years ago or something, I would say that Carnival was much stronger. Royal Caribbean generally operates bigger ships, and Carnival has a bigger fleet overall. Mm-hmm. There's economies of scales in the industry, so I think they're pretty major advantages. I don't... Since Carnival's CEO left, the founder basically of it, I think that the company's been less efficient on a bunch of different measures but mm-hmm. it's hard to tell there's things with fuel and stuff like that they're more comparable the two companies than they were when i first looked at this industry i'd say in the last five years Royal Caribbean and carnival have kind of converged more mm-hmm. so either one um at the right price to book i guess would be attractive i would tend to probably favor carnival um i tend to focus more on like the safety and stuff and so just in terms of um if we go to royal caribbean right now we could look at what they're they're quick fs a quick FS, yeah. What they're so what are their assets to equity, debt to equity, two point four, one point mm-hmm. Okay. And then let's look at Carnival um, and see if they're similar now. Uh, and it's a right, so it's a bit less, right? The capital structure, so yeah. So the capital structure still is Carnival having a bit less debt. And um, it, there might be some other differences too. Um, but historically Carnival's been the safer credit risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a big thing now. If they start losing a lot of money or something in these companies, you would want the one that can burn cash for a little while and survive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you look at the stock chart of it, right? So it was mm-hmm. at you know 135. Yeah. This is Royal Caribbean 135, and then everything started at the you know end of January come out with the coronavirus, and now it's at 78 dollars per yeah, share. Can you chart Carnival against that? Oh, can we do it together? Yeah, yeah there's a way to do it. How do I do that? Yeah. Comparison. Um, What's that? Royal here? Caribbean, for whatever reasons, is more the stock that people go. like to speculate in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, look at for, that. So mm-hmm. they move very similar that way. Yeah, yeah. very similar. Um, I think it, historically Royal Caribbean's been a little riskier. I'd be a little more careful, but it um, its returns recently have gotten a lot better operationally versus Carnival. So it has improved as a business. Maybe it's more they're more close to the same safety levels now. Yeah. Um, but historically, I would have probably favored Carnival, um, just because it's the credit worthiness. That you think it's a more conservative, yeah, who was safer business. It? Yeah. Who was running it? But like I said, he stepped down and stuff. And and what do you think about that? I guess the overall industry in general. Uh, the industry might be interesting at price to book below one. Um, the, it's not that interesting for us. We focus on overlook stocks. Yeah, it's course. very interesting for like, you know who would be very interesting for is like Warren Buffett. So what's the market cap on Carnival? Carnival, 23 billion. It's actually trading for at a price to book of 0.9. So okay, it is so, less than... So 23 billion. Value. Then yeah. what's RCL? Type that one in and see what their market cap is. 16. Yep, 16.8 billion. And then billion. what's uh, NCL? Is that their ticker? Yeah, let's see. Uh, Norwegian. Norwegian Cruise Holdings. Yeah. Eight billion. Eight billion. So uh, you could put, you know, um, four billion dollars close to it by buying almost ten percent of each of them. So mm-hmm. Buffett bought almost all For the, the airlines. He could of the airlines. Yeah. You could put several billion dollars into the cruise lines, and you wouldn't have regulatory problems with it mm-hmm. the same way that you would necessarily with airlines and railroads and things. He basically tried to start to do the same thing with railroads. So if you were attracted to the industry, you could bet across all three of them and put a lot of money to work. Mm-hmm. Would you rather do that or would you rather own Carnival, which you think is a safer bet? 
I'd have to look at their credit things and stuff, especially with what's going on now. I'd be careful about buying anything that I think has credit risk. Mm-hmm. So I'd just be cautious about that. I don't know. Royal Caribbean, like I said, their operations have improved. Historically, though, they're, they're historically going back decades and stuff. They ran the company much more um, aggressively from a financial perspective than Carnival ever did. Carnival used to, the reason that Carnival is the size it is and stuff is it acquired lots of companies when they were in trouble, those cruise lines. Mm-hmm. And Carnival had a really solid balance sheet and stuff like that. So that was a big way in which they were able to build up the business over time. What about Dave and Buster's going from, it looks like, uh, what was this, $46.60 to $31.91? And it didn't look crazily expensive before no. that. So if we look at Quick FS, Dave and Buster's does surprise me how. Um, cheap it is we've talked a little bit about it before i think the economics of dave and buster's locations are excellent when you have a new one i don't know that they're excellent like longer term mm-hmm. this is the kind of thing where i would expect that you're not gonna have like much in the way of same store sales and stuff like that improvements um but the day one economics i think are pretty good the payoff period is pretty short look at what the returns on equity are in the last few years yeah. right mm-hmm. and so i think that the like amount of value creation is potentially very high in an industry like this. So we look at it and we say, okay, EV to EBITDA is like six or whatever that says, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't. That sounds okay, pretty low, but value investors might think they could find other things like that. Yeah. But it's hard to find an EV to EBITDA of six and the kinds of returns on opening up a new location that they probably have. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that'll always be true, but they could create a lot of value over time. So it's the kind of thing where the business model can create a lot of value. The same way you could with like a restaurant or something like that. Um, there's still a lot of locations that they could build. Um, but it makes sense cyclically why you would be concerned about it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Although I don't know if it makes sense to be that concerned about like U S consumers, um, like in the U S not going to places that are local to them. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't think that's the part of that would be most hit now. That's the thing about the, like the coronavirus thing that we could get into. The thing that surprised me about the reactions in the market, I guess, if this makes sense is, it seems to be discounting something that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, which is like people will be afraid to go out and do things because they could get this um, virus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, either it will be contained or it will basically everyone be exposed to it. And that will happen within a matter of a few months from now. Mm-hmm. You know, six months from now, we won't be in a position like today. That's impossible. So six months from now, either you'll say, okay, I'm going to be exposed to this virus. That's obviously going to happen. Or you're going to say that it's contained and it's... Um, well, what about, what about China, for example, or like certain areas of the country where they like kind of like on lockdown mode, you know, kids, like schools are closed. For example, we looked at a company, a theme park in Yes. China, and they actually shut down the well, business. But itself. you have to be very short term oriented as a trader to do that because I'm telling you by the math, if it's not contained, that won't work for very long. That okay. won't. So you could shut it down. Yeah. But there won't be any point in shutting it down in a few months because if you didn't contain it, then I mean. You the, ever seen the movie I Am Legend? No. Will Smith? <laughs> but so let's say, okay. What I mean is it grows exponentially. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So. What will happen? I mean, if you're having a couple cases someplace now and you fail in a state and you fail to contain it, in six months you'll have 200,000 cases, uh, new cases in that state. Like that's how fast it will grow. Yeah, yeah, exponentially. So so what I'm saying is there's not much of a point to – there is a point to things that will be hurt longer term. Like what? Um, Lots of things can be hurt longer term depending on what happens if everyone ends up being exposed to the virus. But – I mean, big declines in certain economic. Have you gotten your flu shot? 
I've never had a flu shot. I haven't got a flu shot in a while either. <laughs> okay. I text my dad. I'm like, did you get a flu shot recently? He's like, but I haven't had one in years. I was like, all right, cool. But how would a flu Me shot too. help you? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I just think that the reaction is kind of a little odd that way. That's all. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things I read seem to be focused on that. I read some things on blogs and things that focus a lot on like people being afraid to go out and yeah, being yeah. in big settings. But that will pass very quickly because either you contain it or you fail to contain it, but one or the other happens pretty quickly. You're mm-hmm. not going to have, like when they say how many cases there are in places, you know, mm-hmm. it won't stay at that level for very long. Yeah. So now do I think that there'll be attempts to contain it even after it's clearly uncontainable in those areas? Yes. Of course, yeah. So that's likely to happen, like that you do those things afterwards. But how long does that last for, you know? The, the bigger issue is more like... Um, so the bigger issues for things that have like credit risk and stuff, there are also big issues for things that have certain commodity risks and stuff like that. Be as opposed to the kind of thing we're looking at here, like a Dave and Buster's or a, um, but the argument is that people aren't going to want to go and you understand this. People aren't going to want to go to like, um, a populated center type thing. There's a lot of people at Dave and Buster's. It's a lot of touching and stuff like that. You know, in six months, it can't matter if it's not contained, it won't matter where you are. So yeah, but that's why people obviously are selling the stock is because that's what they're betting on the next six months. Yeah, they're not not thinking of like five right, years. But or so 10 like years. the reaction that you'd expect bigger declines in would be something like um, independent oil producers in the U.S. or something, right? So they borrow a lot of money to produce oil, yeah, and then they sell at like a market price for oil, right? Mm-hmm. So the market price of oil will decline a lot. They will have trouble refinancing things. They won't have cash flows from it. They're more likely to fail. So like the things that should be plummeting are things like, and maybe they are, but like KLXE should be falling more than Dave & Buster's, okay? Mm-hmm. Because th- things that have credit risk and that are exposed to certain commodity things and stuff have more of a long-term possibility of problems here. Dave & Buster's, I don't know. I'm not sure that this will still be an issue um, six months down the road. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be an issue for in terms of deaths. It'll be an issue in terms of people's health and all sorts of lost productivity and things like that. But it shouldn't continue to be an issue at what we have now, which seems to be kind of more the way the market's reacting, mm-hmm. as if there's going to be a lot of uncertainty and, oh, I don't want to go out and risk of contagion and stuff. Whereas either it will be contained or it won't be, and it'll happen much faster than the timeline I'm seeing from these sorts of things. Like if the market shouldn't be discounting things that are like less than six months away. You know, mm-hmm. you, you shouldn't be thinking, oh, I care a lot about what their results are going to be for the next couple months. You know, well, that's what people do, which is what you're saying, I guess. But it, it, to me, it just seems like the reaction in the market to a lot of things I'm seeing in the stocks is as if the situation that you have now or something like it will continue for a long time. And that's not possible. Um, either you have a pandemic or something or you don't have it at uh, or you have it contained and then you don't have it at all in those places. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, you know, either eventually there will, people won't be concerned about the risk because six months down the road or something, there won't be new cases. Um, or they're going to get it no matter what they do in their day to day lives. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll be exposed to it. So I just don't see the, the reason for the declines that you see in some of these things, but it makes a lot of sense if the concern is like a recession and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That'd be like a consumer led recession. That seems unlikely. In the what US. about airlines? So airlines is a really big issue, right? Yeah. So airlines are the kind of thing that I was talking about that have an issue, especially if you have any sort of credit problem stuff. So, Which a lot of them have a lot of that. So if you combine like operational leverage and financial leverage, um, the the things like cruise lines and airlines and stuff are particularly sensitive to this because they can't change their supply situation. So there are as many seats as there are in the airline industry. Mm -hmm. And now a lot of them are going to be empty. 
Mm-hmm. So the prices are going to fall a lot. And so their profitability is going to decline by an amazing amount. The same would be true for hotels. It's true for theme parks, things like that. It's almost pure profit when you sell that last ticket to the theme park, that yeah. last uh, ticket on an airplane. Um, and that goes away now. Same with the cruise lines, right? So that goes away. And that's something that's very believable and could cause them real problems, even if it only ma- it happens for a few months, that it mm-hmm. continues to be a problem. Mm-hmm. So, What about Disney. Disney is very diversified and stuff and has strong financial position overall. I mean, they have debt and stuff, but um, I wouldn't worry about things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, it wasn't a very cheap stock. So um, the theme parks things will decline a lot, obviously. Um, but like I said, I don't know that that's a permanent sort of situation to me. So SeaWorld, Six Flags, they're right. Those are at like near to 52-week lows. Yep, yep. Yeah. And Six Flags is, is a particularly interesting one because a lot of their... Um, parks aren't open for most of the year. And I was going to say, Six Flags, though, that's another company that has a ton of debt, right? So what's Six Flags' debt situation? Yeah. So, um, and I don't know when things are due for these companies, but those are the kinds of things that would be a really big risk Mm -hmm. because the decline that you have from operating leverage is really big. So I would say anything with huge fixed costs that depends on tourism and things like that. Um, But on the other hand, things that depend on trade and stuff like that could decline by even more. I, I think the focus is on like people and going places and stuff like that. But the they're like things that depend on global trade and stuff could be more the things that decline. So the things that are safer are usually things that are less marginal. Um, like what? And, uh, so as an example, like, uh, okay. So like six flags and stuff is somewhat regional, right? Mm -hmm. But something like Disney. So Disney parks, Disney parks would be affected more than anything else because they are um, a destination from all around the world. Mm-hmm. So whenever we see a financial crisis, any sort of thing, they drop faster and buy more than local parks, right? And so that's what would happen to them. Now, they're a diversified company, so it doesn't matter the same way. But if there was stock in just Walt Disney World or Orlando or something, then yeah, it should decline a lot because of that fear. Um, whereas like things like Six Flags and stuff, not necessarily, but the credit thing is more the bigger risk. I would say the credit thing is the biggest risk across the board that this sort of thing is more of a problem for anything that has weaker finances. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you should be reluctant to buy things that are in, you know, industry, to buy the things in industries that are most um, exposed to like those sorts of credit risks, especially needing to refinance things pretty quickly, things that could turn into having burning cash when you didn't expect that before, stuff like that. You think six months from now we'll still be, you know, worried about the coronavirus and everything like that when it comes to these companies? Yeah. So you think it's pretty big deal or that we'll still be worried? Yes. Yeah. Let's go over. Okay. So Ardent Leisure, they own main event. They actually headquartered here, right? Yeah. Main events here. And, and then, then they, they own, own some own, stuff in Australia. Yeah, they own a couple parks in Australia. Yeah. Two parks. Um, Butler National Corp. That's a uh, casino. Yeah. Boot Hill Casino. Yeah. Um, Bull America. Vale Resorts. Let's talk about Vale Resorts. Okay. What are your thoughts on that company? Never been to Vale. Let's see, 895 million in revenue in 2010 to 2.2 billion in 2019. This company does also have a lot of debt, like a lot of these Mm -hmm. companies. Do you have any thoughts on that in general? I mean, that's like a regional thing. People are probably still skiing. I mean, even on, I went out this past weekend, Mm -hmm. Friday and Saturday, and um, what's interesting is, you know, Fintwit Mm -hmm. is very much in the know, I guess you could say, right? And very up to date, it seems like. Um, People, out and about mm-hmm. don't have a care in the world. I mean, maybe they do, but I mean, just, it didn't look like any, it just looked like an ordinary weekend to me, you mm-hmm. know, the past couple of weekends, 
in, sure. in the United States. Um, people still spending money and doing everything like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, people in Fintuit have a different perspective, but I'm sure a lot of those individuals were still going out as well. But, um, you know, would you be worried for... Now, Vail Resorts is still probably not cheap, right? It's like looks like it's trading at 28 times. I mean, if you were to look at the entertainment industry and if you're able to think out, um, or consumer services, you're able to think five to 10 years out, what company do you think that you'd be most interested in, in, you know, reading and stuff like that, studying? Uh, well, I said before, Disney would be the one that I think is the safest to buy and hold just as a stock in general, not, just like not forever, in, just an entertainment stock forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you have the, uh, Excel where we have the, Yep, distance the fifty-two week low. The problem here is a bunch of them are not even at fifty-two week lows. No, so that gives you an idea of how expensive they got, how much they went up last year, and that's probably a big reason why the stocks have dropped as far as they have, mm-hmm. is because they're only getting back to levels that they were at within the last year. And a lot of these companies aren't earning materially more than they were a year ago. So no. this is all ex- expansion of the PE ratio. Um, so that's the problem. Uh, I, I would, yeah, I'd be interested in like the leaders in their industry that way. So definitely Walt Disney. Um, I'd definitely be interested in, um, I might be interested in Carnival or one of the big cruise lines at really low price to book. Um, that's something that's potentially good and might have poor earnings at the bottom of a cycle, but could grow over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, I'd be very interested in Dave and Buster. I want to learn a lot more about them because mm-hmm. of these stocks, that's definitely the one that looks the most interesting to me is Dave and Buster's. And why is that? Because it has the potential to retain the most earnings and create the most value. Um, something like Carnival, yes, it's cheap, but it's not going to have a very high return on equity ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just have an opportunity. If you, if it turns out that Dave and Buster's is able to execute on like the economics of what I think it might be, it has more upside than other things. Um, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily that attractive. It's also surprisingly like um, a for a stock that's the size that it is, it's very actively traded. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bunch of these are pretty actively traded. They're not in our, um, you know, kind of the things we focus on. A few of them are. Um, so that, it, you know, I don't know. It, it's something that might fall a lot if there was like a recession. So that would make the most sense. I mean, you would want to buy in a recession. Uh, it's probably the best time to buy like an entertainment type thing. Because they're somewhat cyclical the same way that like an ad agency or something is somewhat mm-hmm. cyclical. Yeah, sure. an opportunity to buy at the bottom of a cycle that way. Yeah. Have you ever looked at water parks uh no interesting i mean some of them i've looked at companies that own some water parks even mm-hmm. six flags there own some water parks but uh no interesting ardent leisure why not ardent ardent leisure as opposed to dave and busters right so, so you've been to main event yeah and it's their own version of dave and busters i right. guess you could say um that's more of an overlooked stock for in a 31 million dollar market cap it's trading six percent away from its 52 week low and their 52-week low is 83 cents. It has some it's money losing theme parks in Australia. Uh-huh. They're not small. They're big parks. Um, I, I don't know. I'd have to learn more about it. Um, and I think there's an activist involved in that situation yeah, as well. Yeah, I'm also, to be honest, much less impressed with main event than with the Ambusters from the perspective of visiting both of them plenty of times. Uh-huh. Um, that's not necessarily bad, but uh, of any of them, the one that impresses me the most in terms of what it's doing at its locations is Dave and Buster's mm-hmm. uh, in that industry. You know, so I guess of all the stocks, looks like we have eighteen on this mm-hmm. page or seventeen on this page. You'd be most interested to learn about Dave and Buster's, and that's because it's you know it's trading about twelve times earnings. It's it's about would, a percent away, a percent and a half away from its fifty-two week low. You I, like the business itself. 
Yeah, it has the most upside. I would also look real close at the cruise companies, but I don't think I'd be buying them today. I'd be watching them and seeing for the future, especially if they got a much cheaper. And I'm, I'm kind of curious why you would do a basket as opposed to buying the one that you think has the best credit and could. I might buy the one that has the best position that way, um, like the safest. I might buy Carnival, basically. Um, if it turns out that, you know, looking closer at it, I decide that that's true. I don't know enough about how much Royal Caribbean's improved in the last few years, mm-hmm. but relative to Carnival, it has improved a bunch, and I'm not sure of all the reasons for why that is. Um, Carnival used to be more of a leader over Royal Caribbean than in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in, like, I'm talking five years ago. Uh, but, yeah, I would pr- probably, pr- probably if I was going to buy one, it would be Carnival, yeah. Um, and And all of these, though... The prices aren't that cheap. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I wouldn't buy a cruise line above book value. I definitely would want it below book value. Um, I'm not sure I would want to pay many of the prices that we see here just because they're not, they were this expensive a year ago or something. Mm-hmm. They're not that cheap. But I would be watching them for the possibility in the future that they decline by a lot more, you know. Cool, cool. Well, I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with Jeff and myself on today's podcast, going a little bit over the entertainment industry. Um, Maybe we'll start to do these profiles more often where we could just talk generally about the industry itself and what we think about it. Uh, If this is the first time that you are tuning in with us, be sure to check out all of our work. Best place to get access to that is my Twitter. It's probably the best place where I send all the content. That is at Focused Compound on Twitter. If you are tuning in for the first time on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, thumbs this video up. Check out FocusedCompounding.com. If you do sign up, use the podcast promo code, which is podcast. Uh, to get two write-ups from Jeff on stocks every single week. Uh, but then there's also a bunch of free content on there as well. And we simplified up the website, um, you know, so it's all more of a centralized place. I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with Jeff and myself here today. And we will see you in the next podcast. Hey, this is Andrew Kuhn. And that was the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Jeff and I talk about actionable stock ideas, investing concepts, and the overall way that we think about investing at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Go to FocusCompound.com and enter in your email to get a free watch list from Jeff every other week. And be sure to check out all of our other work where Jeff writes about stocks at FocusCompound.com. I upload how-to investing videos on YouTube, and we both manage capital for investors at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to follow along.